I think I did it. I know I did something. I did it. Awesome. Feels like it's been a while again. It always feels like it's been a while, but we are back again with another episode of Loose Cannon. And um, <clears throat> I just had that this weird thought. We've never had like music playing over the show. It felt weird there without having music. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is the smooth jazz from Community uh, royalty free? <laughs> That was one of my favorite uh, Easter eggs in that show. Just like every episode, you never know if you're going to hear it or not, but you might. God, what don't you do? <laughs> Aside from use a camera while we're on a, vi a video stream. <laughs> well, either way, hello. We are back with another episode, and this week we are going to talk about the new lore book, Trials and Tribulations. Uh, this lore book is obtained, I think it's only once one entry per week by getting a single win in the Trials of Osiris. Which uh, made me a little hesitant to want to talk about it so soon. But, you know, rereading it this morning, it definitely feels like an appropriate book, because it, it it's all, like, post- lore or pre-lore it's not really to do with right now today it's all stuff that has happened back in d1 actually so it's just a nice insight hmm <laughs> no, maybe you maybe you would a little bit more after this cuz it's yeah. it's pretty cool. I mean, we didn't get much explanation behind the backstory of Brother Vance in D1. He was just this this guy that yeah. you went yeah. to. <clears throat> but I always I it was it always surprised me the way that they changed you know in no, it's it's an it's an odd. I, I remember when with Curse of Osiris, they really, it felt as though they changed a lot of things. Like, mm -hmm. and and now it almost feels like they're slightly backtracking, kind of. Let me explain yeah. what I mean by yeah. No, I completely agree. Yeah, it's like they 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 kind of went to lengths to to, in D one, it was, it wasn't just implied. Vance said, you know, he was a guardian who lost his sight. Yeah, yeah. And and then in D2, it kind of, you know, she, well, it, it didn't exactly change the story, but, you know, it, it that was explained away as as Vance kind of was so obsessed with um, wanting to be a guardian that he effectively thought that he was a guardian for some time when mm -hmm. in fact he was never a guardian and yeah. then um you know the cult of osiris 
in in Destiny One, it always felt as though Vance and the and the the cult of Osiris were doing this on behalf of Osiris. Right. Whereas in Destiny Two, it was like, you know, no, actually, Osiris doesn't even like these people. He just tolerates them. You know. Right. Um, right. but. N- and, and you know, I, I don't think there was any implication in Curse of Osiris that any of the cult of Osiris were guardians. But I, I'm not sure about that. But as, now... a play, as a player in D1, I remember thinking cult of Osiris <clears throat> feeling almost as like a hidden faction mm-hmm. for me because yeah. it was so mysterious. I thought, well, maybe there's this hidden faction. And I thought that I thought of them as just like any other faction that we knew about that maybe most of them weren't guardians but there were probably a few and i thought i thought we would we would hear osiris and then maybe a hunter counterpoint and then a titan counterpoint and there would be like a, a threesome of guardians that were of the cult of osiris but we never got that and that was just in my own head sort of like a uh, a vanguard foil then yeah where yeah, it was like go. we have our city vanguard and then there's the mm-hmm. cult of osiris vanguard yeah, that'd be that. I always awesome. thought, and I always thought that because the lighthouse was in ruins, and how we saw that, that we were going to be introduced to a separate mm. faction, almost like an underground, you know, um, faction that was working behind the scenes, that was more gritty, that that would kind of work like the anti-hero of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we didn't really get that. <laughs> no. <laughs> well. I mean, so yeah, kind of like what Baxter was saying. It just it felt like Destiny One had built up all these. I don't want to say expectations because you really shouldn't like build up expectations like that. But it, it kind of set this like framework that the cult the cult of Osiris was like this mysterious group of people. And Vance is literally saying, I think his exact line was, "I used to be a guardian," and mm. so it's mm-hmm. kind of. Tra- suggesting that there was a transition process that he yeah. chose Osiris and he's no longer a guardian. And at this point in time in destiny one lore, we didn't even have a term for not guardian. I don't think it's true. We didn't That's have true. risen. We didn't have light bearer. So we were like, you're a yeah. guardian and that is it. And Vance is saying, I'm not anymore. And that was like, Oh my God, what is, what does this mean? Yeah, there were all kinds of theories, like maybe he sacrificed his ghost, or mm-hmm. maybe there was some sort of like thing that robbed him of his guardianship, or whatever you would call it, yeah. and that had something to do with him being blind, and all of these theories. And it, it as as much as I like hate those those theories, and I'm sorry to, to anyone that likes them or p- proposes them, I do not like the Dark Guardians theory. Not that Dark Guardians can't exist or shouldn't exist, but that we as a player character should get to be one. I hate Mm -hmm. that as a concept, personally. But Mm -hmm. with Vance's story being, I used to be a Guardian, it kind of felt like, are we going to transition in this path with Vance? Are we going to ascend beyond Guardianship? Not just be like, "Eh, actually, I'm evil now. (laughs) Which just bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, a, yeah, that's an interesting concept. And then, but, in, but you know, Curse of Osiris, we mm-hmm. expected to get a lot more. Mm-hmm. And basically, right out the gate, Ikora comes in and she's like, oh, yeah, Vance of the followers of Osiris. And just like yeah. from that that moment, it was just like, I thought he was super cool. What's going yeah. on? 
This is the exact reason or the the exact reason for that quote, never meet your heroes. Mm. <laughs> Cause it's yeah. it, it was very much when the Curse of Osiris came out that people got really salty and upset with the game, not only because of the just what we were offered, mm. um, you know, as far as play style, but the lore kind of let people I don't want to say it let them down, but it left them with much to be desired. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the story. Was of... I was disappointed yeah. with Vance's getting knocked down a peg, though. That was like, oh, why would you do that yeah. to Vance? Come on. But it, it almost feels as though now, and it, it, this is the reason that I bring this up, is that it feels as though with this book, they're starting to undo, you know, yeah. all of Curse of Osiris was about like, okay, well, Vance is just a guy who's obsessed with Osiris. Right. And now it's like, okay, actually, no, there's, there's more to Vance. There's something yeah. different. And, yeah, it kind of gives a little bit more of a personal touch, and, and and you feel a little bit more compassion towards them. Like in Cur- Curse of Osiris, we were really, um, oh, they're just fanatics. This is ridiculous. They don't, you don't. It was like, <laughs> I wish he was a fanatic. He's just a fanboy. <laughs> yeah, like at least yeah, they were calling him fanboys, cool. and oh man. And then we had this really hyper abstract, abstract distraction which was the trials of the nine, mm-hmm. which really kind of drove a wedge in between. I mean, because trials was always in D one, it was the, the go-to pinnacle for PVP and the lore behind it was so, it was just so ominous and great. It felt larger than we were. Um, and so I think when they undid that with curse of Osiris and then they introduced trials of the nine with this super abstract, concept i think it it might have it might have it might have just kind of undid some of the things that we we wanted or what we hoped for Mm, yeah but i i do think that it's it's i i just wish that they hadn't you know if you if we imagine if you imagine that you didn't have the curse of osiris storyline it would be a lot easier to do what they're trying to do now mm. and give Vance some more... That's probably uh, true. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I, it's just... I, yeah, I, it just I, seems like an odd choice to, to, to kind of go in that direction and then decide, like, a year later, actually, you know what? Maybe, maybe we're going to go in another direction. I think with the full of the book, like, once you get to the end, it kind of shows its transition point for how Vance could be in his state from Mm -hmm. destiny one, where he was like, I am a devout follower of Osiris. I am important to him. I have purpose. I'm doing something. And then when we see him in curse of Osiris, where like Rhino said, never meet your heroes. He met with Osiris and not to spoil the end of the book. Osiris was not impressed with what Vance Mm -hmm. had done. He was openly upset with what Vance had done. And like yeah. moments before, Vance was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be Osiris's best friend. He's gonna congratulate me and say how smart I am. And I'm gonna say it's all because of you, Osiris, that I am the man yeah. you see before you today." And that's not what happened. So Vance was just his soul was crushed at that yeah. point, and it kind of makes sense why we see him in that state of Curse of Osiris. I feel like they did a good job because obviously this is a retcon in in some fashion, and I think. 
they did a very good job handling it because you can you can just be like actually Vance was always a badass and then be like but no what like Curse right. of Osiris happened <laughs> and it's like no there's a reason for Curse of Osiris Vance as yeah. a character yeah. yeah, you know it's very funny, and now that you bring that up, it's very funny. In hindsight, I'm just thinking, what a great uh, dichotomy, I guess. What mm-hmm. a great way to show how how Osiris was very much prophetic in what he said, but at the same time, really didn't want people to know the information ahead of time, so that they wouldn't unravel what he was trying to succeed in doing. Mm-hmm. So when he had Vance doing all of these things behind the scenes and that he wasn't really aware of is kind of contradictory to the future telling of his own, uh, you know, kind of path that he had been walking. Of course, I know he was mostly removed from everybody. Uh, you know, whatever the hell the word is canonically. (laughs) I'm having trouble speaking this morning because it's coffee. Um, but I'm trying to form a thought. So Osiris thinks we are going to unravel his his idea of what the future should be. Mm-hmm. And so he has to walk a line of telling us clues that point us into the direction, but without unraveling what he's trying to succeed in doing so that we don't meet a fate that's either what he saw or worse than what he saw does that make sense yeah have you ever read any of the foundation series of books the foundation yeah i've never no. heard of that i, I guess um, i haven't that's not like familiar Isaac. um there's a the it's a really i mean this is this is a bit of a uh, um tangent a bit of a tangent yeah but it's basically <laughs> there's this guy it's set in, in the future when there's this galactic empire and there's this guy called Harry Selden. And uh-huh. he, I think that's his name, he comes up with this branch of mathematics that is called, uh, oh, what's it called again? Oh. The, in his mathematics, does 2 plus Psycho 2 history. not equal 4? No, it's like a, he comes up with this, this system called psychohistory where he is able to use ma- mathematics to predict the future. Like, it's at a massive scale, but the predictions only work if the civilization that you're making predictions about don't know about psychohistory. Mm-hmm. As uh-huh. soon as they have that technology, the, yeah, the, the models fall apart. So he creates a foundation where, with, the, with the goal he his model he's got a team of like scientists and they realize that the galactic empire is going to collapse in the next few hundred years and then following on from that there's going to be 10,000 years of like a, like a dark age basically so he comes up with a plan to keep psychohistory a secret and put together a foundation with the and and basically set up a, 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 a kind of a path so that it will reduce the dark age from like 10,000 years to a thousand years. Um, and it's a, it's a really weird <laughs> set of books because every chapter in the book is like a hundred years later. So everybody in the first book, everybody in the first chapter uh, is dead by the time of the second chapter. 
and it's about a different group of people but every now and then there's a crisis that happens and this vault opens up and a hologram of of harry selden advises them kind of gives them a hint about what they should do next Ah. anyway so that's so that's okay that makes sense so that's kind of like what osiris is doing i don't think that's what he's doing though well no but only i I think that's that's similar to what rhino was suggesting he might well yeah but because i'm 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 deeply rooted in the item lore and all i know is when we got the items or the weapons from curse of osiris they were all prophecies right yeah and they were clues to what was going to happen. And every one of them have. Sort of. Let, let, let's go through some of them, because that's interesting. Do you want to go through some of them? <laughs> We've only got two entries in Trials and Tribulations to talk about, so we might as well go through some of them. Well, I mean, I thought we were going to go through the whole book. But okay. Oh, well, we can. We can. Yeah, let's just go I through the know. book. Everybody knows the weapons. So the weapons are just prophecies of all the different expansions and things that we've played so far pretty much and then there were a few that came out that we were like what is that but then later on we learned what they were because we played them in uh, dlc's expansions seasons whatever Hmm. so so what i'm saying is those prophecy weapons that vance was you know peddling (laughs) uh were kind of like the the clues that Osiris left behind for us to uh, kind of pick up and make sure that the future we head towards isn't, you know, just dark. But it it seems like he's very capable of just telling us what needs to be said. Like he doesn't need to dance around this idea that he doesn't actually know the future. He's like, no, I've seen the future. You're fucking shut up. And he's very (laughs) explicit about that. So, to me, even though he he talks and like rhymes and riddles, and I think that was actually in a lore where Ikora uh, is like, if he wanted to be clear, why is he talking like this? Why doesn't he just say exactly right. what he means? What he's doing is creating the cult of Osiris, uh, creating a cult of personality, because he's not. Instead of just saying things out clearly, he he says it so vaguely that they're they're just making making it up to be whatever they want it to be. And I feel like that's that's kind of more what's happening with Osiris yeah. personally. I always felt like all of that writing was just a way for the Bungie writers to kind of mock us as lore as lore <laughs> as lore people, <laughs> and how how our community spins off in the wild theories and comes up with all these ideas. Just kind of like a parallel dig at us. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Okay, but so okay. Do we want to get into the actual book itself? Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, chapter one is called Insta and then within the lines gate. And so I guess it's trying to say instigate, but also also gate. <clears throat> um, and there's basically just added added sections of words throughout this entry where the added added words don't make sense on their own. They are added to the entry to tell like a second layer of story, which can make it a little uh, hard to read at times. So heads up for anyone that's going to read it. Yeah, but... it's like they're they're it's like they're bracket the brackets are there because they're almost like interruptions within the story that you're reading yeah. to kind of 
to kind of add a secondary layer of story that some outside entity is trying to, you know, impose. It's like a second perspective of what's happening. And this whole book is about how I would assume this is during the dark age or this whole entry. I mean, is about during the dark age when the Vex came, the Vex came and transformed Mercury, which was a garden planet into what it is today. Yeah. Oops, sorry. Don't do that. that was, it just made that a big me on the screen. I don't want that. Hello. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's that's basically what's being said, especially through the bracket lines. Um. But what I find interesting, and I'm gonna put an image up. <clears throat> I actually went on to D1 today Ooh. to get two screenshots of something because <laughs> there are no good screenshots of this on the internet. So it's very frustrating, or at least not easily found. Um, but within this first entry, uh, it's talking about the 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 planet. Uh, so the expanse above a cup rimmed in gamma ink radiance, damned against the Mercurian sky at the Carmen line, against the howl of star wind, the fountains of the great deep burst apart in the floodgates. The black screen of tomorrow fell open. Within the rip, without form known nor ever to be seen, a monolithic hulk of fluid and steel convulsed, eternal and always, and excreted coils of shimmering glorious life, probing hostile multitudes, clattering tendrils, and ungodly horror that no time would accept, slithered down the gullet of the heavens to make landfall. And the thing that I think is important, I'm going to put this up on... On the screen here for everyone to look at, chrome-hooked appendages breached the sky, counted in triplets stretched for miles through sun-soaked atmosphere. They bored the deepest intentions into the marigold sands from the great temporal chasms. Wailing mouths of creation flowed in ocean, a second conception of radiolarian fluid. Uh, basically... When I when I read this the first time, the the first thing I immediately thought of were the exotic gauntlets. Um, don't touch me, mm. because if you can remember, their uh, their little line is amputated from a creature that stumbled out of a vex gate. A vestigial mm -hmm. defensive reflex still remains, and they have these like chrome hooks on the shoulder, mm -hmm. and then on the wrist they have uh, different hooks that look more manufactured. But the the chrome hook, almost like a bug hook, on the on the uh, the right shoulder is what is the interesting point, in my opinion. Yeah, that's interesting. That uh, whatever came here, we might have actually worn as exotic armor at one point. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. And yeah, so I mean, what do you think the relationship between that and the vex is i have no idea uh, well okay hold on real quick we remember in d1 we had a little bit of this and i don't remember where it was but you just reminded me reading that part there was when the vex were forming and coming into our universe part of that was similar to how the nine were trying to come into our universe hmm. they had to find a way to 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 be present here in the um, in our world, our universe, and so 
the machinoforms that came before were very much the vehicles for the radiolarian fluid so that they could have their presence be in a form that was protected similar to like what you'd find a little uh I don't know. It would be like a creature building a robot so that they could walk around in our in our universe, right? Mm-hmm. So the the radiolarian fluid is very much the formless part portion of the vex that is what they are, right? So in order to be here present in our world without just, you know, laying in on the ground like a lake of radiolarian fluid, they've got to have some sort of vehicle, right? What so- if what if and I don't want to, you know, go too far off. But what if some of the creatures that are from this time and place or space or Vex gate or whatever are very much at a nexus point so that when the Vex came here, some of these other creatures were from a separate time or place or whatever reality. And all of that kind of converged. And that when they rifted it, into our universe some of the other things could have traveled through the same network and not not necessarily been of the vex Hmm. right so like so like when we learn that when we learn that crota was duped into opening up a portal and then the vex poured out right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then when we learned about um the cabal were chasing something and but they're here or they were being chased by something, but then they yeah, showed that up here. Yeah, that kind of just fell, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Right. And then when the Fallen showed up here, they were pulled through a portal, uh, a whirlwind, you know, situation. The type of, like, almost what you would think of, like, a, a like as a tornado ripping through a neighborhood, picking up a ton of houses, and then just throwing them out somewhere else in the field far, far, far away. Right? That's almost like what I think of the Fallen when I think of how they showed up here. Mm -hmm. So what if all of these little things with all of our enemies were somewhat related in that aspect? So, yeah, I mean, I I guess I have no evidence (laughs) to refute any of that, but I I also don't have any evidence to to support it, especially. Right, I know. Um, but we know that there that we know that these uh, bug like creatures exist somewhere because of that yeah. that do, don't touch me you know but um, but i guess what i'm what i mean is though like um so one of the things that you said and i always this is something that maybe there's something else that i've missed um but you, when you when you were saying when the vex were trying to come through into our universe what like d- d- are you referring to a particular like entry or Event? No, it wasn't in the books that we got a lot of fragments in D1 that explained uh, the Vex. And then the Vault of Glass had uh, a lot of lore. And I wish I could pin it down right now. But I remember if you took some of the Vex, some of the more ominous lines uh, around the Vex and just in-game missions too, some of the dialogue that was throwaway at the time, and we were kind of like, hmm, what does that mean? Some of the, the lines I remember explicitly telling us that the vex have always existed but you know now they're here right mm-hmm. yeah but i guess i i guess all i'm trying to I, I don't know i one of these things that i hear every now and then is somebody saying you know oh well when the vex came into our universe yeah i think but they I were just... always in our universe like from the beginning yeah. personally with 
the context of unveiling at least yeah so that could have been like a world of world situation where they were always just here and then they just well, somehow of just <laughs> i mean i guess it's when you've got a time travel an enemy it's kind of difficult to exactly yeah you know like they, they could be from the future they could be from the past they could be you yeah. know the fact that they exist you yeah know, like, i agree uh, i agree whole i agree wholeheartedly with that i think the only thing i was trying to trying to point out is mm-hmm. to use your uh way of of bringing in outside things we, when i was younger we used to play a game <laughs> and uh it was our version of dungeons and dragons or cyberpunk if you will mm-hmm. and it was called riffs and uh not a lot of people played it but it was really cool because Rifts was this game that was very much like Destiny. You could play as um, a line walker, which was like the warlock, or you could play as a glitter boy, which was like the titan, or you could play as a rogue, which was like the hunter. And then they had all these other factions, like uh, these skull armored factions that were you know, very much of, about just oppressing everybody and keeping control over the entire universe and so on. Mm-hmm. But the basic construct of the game was <clears throat> something happened and it caused these huge lines, these huge rifts to open up across the world. And everywhere the rifts connected, they were nexus points. And everywhere there was a nexus point, there was an opportunity for some other creature, whatever, from some other reality that wasn't on our in our universe to come through, like a portal, like a place for all of this craziness to happen. Hmm. And so these lines, these these rifts, if you will, these lines were coveted, and it was the source of magic, the source of the power, the source of the light. You know that all of these. Uh, characters would use to their advantage to kind of gain control over the entire world, right? Mm-hmm. So when I think of when I think of the Vex and when I think of all of our enemies, I think of them as these enemies, but I also think of these characters out there in a in a on a plane of existence that we cannot perceive, and then all of a sudden they're here in our reality, correct? Well, I, I I guess I wasn't really saying that. No, I was saying that they that they just they just time traveled to our time. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, like they're not. From... I wouldn't even say that they time traveled. I would just say that they're really yeah. old. Like they've been yeah. here since the beginning, and they've just existed yeah. until our time because they're they're uh, the winnowers bet on the final shape, or maybe not its bet, but one of its bets. Yeah. You know, one of the things to, to, to kind of give some, you know, like, like you were saying, um, perhaps the the reason that all of our enemies are here at the same place at the same time is um, like it's connected. I definitely think that there's there's evidence for that. One of one of the theories that I've had for for, for ages. And and it's kind of it's not a it's not really like a world changing theory, really. But it's you know a lot of the entries that we got from the Exo Stranger give the impression that she's kind of she's unfamiliar with the Hive. Mm-hmm. You know she's she's like she's a really 
she knows a lot about the Vex, but and and she sees the Vex as like the 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 big terrible evil. Well, maybe not exactly, but you know, like she sees that that the the heart of the of the garden as the as the the kind of the source. She of sees evil. the uh, soul divisive. Yeah. Yes. And I always thought, I wonder if, you know, like, it seems like she jumps through timelines Mm -hmm. and she sees our timeline as being one where we might be able to succeed. Yeah. Which would be really funny if it was like, man, you just got a whole lot of things in this timeline. I think you can win. Yeah. (laughs) The other one only had the fallen. They're not going to win. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, because, you know, whenever you go to an area... The Fallen are fighting the Vex. Mm. The uh, the Cabal are fighting the Vex. The Hive are fighting the Fallen. One of my one of my theories is that the reason that we were able to succeed where other timelines weren't is because if all of the enemies didn't show up at once, if only the Vex showed up, we were doomed. Or if they showed up in the line, we, yeah, one after the other, like oh. we would we would be doomed. Yeah, that's a good theory. And I, I also think there's evidence that um, all of the, the the reason all of our enemies are here at the same time is is related is because of the Osiris um, vision. What is it? Grimoire card. Vision forty-seven. Yeah, the vision yeah. forty-seven all ends flow out of the same pit. Yeah. 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 Which, that's, which that's goes to one. that line of the Hellmouth, where all the schism. Mm-hmm. I, I I just, you know, now that we've met Osiris, it's kind of weird that we haven't just said, yes, you know, Vision 47. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's like a dramatic irony that. thing. I don't think our actual player yeah. character knows it. We're just like, because yeah. they're the, the photons on the screen, according to the Ahamkar, you know? Yeah. The game actually yeah. exists in that that point where even the lore understands that the player isn't the one reading all the stuff. We are the mm-hmm. ones reading it. The player is just existing it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. But uh, to kind of bring this back to the Don't Touch Me's um, mm-hmm. and how this could be all kind of connected, um, way back in D1, we had the uh, speaker selling class items, legendary class items that were cool. Some people liked them. I didn't like many of them. Um, one of them, though, was the Venom of Ikahika, which showed a snake. And it read, the sigil of a snake said to represent the fluid lethality of a true hunter. And something that people might not know is that when... Uh, an arm that we actually have in Destiny 2 now, Kepri's Sting, was originally supposed to come. It was it was datamined under a different name. It was called yep. Ikahika's Hooks. Yep. And its its uh, effect was similar to Don't Touch Me. It would it would grant an invisibility across all classes of hunter, where until that point invisibility I think that was before Taken King. So invisibility was only on the Blade Dancer class. And so it just seems like invisibility arms, invisibility arms, Venom of Ikahika, maybe it's all connected in some way. That there is this like snake-like creature existing as as a back to the first entry of this book. 
um, <laughs> says, uh, the arms retract, purpose fulfilled, and returned to space between time, temporal hovels, suspended, blah, 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 blah. So it's it, something exists between time, which that makes that's an insane statement mm. on its own. But it just, it, it always made me think maybe what it was wasn't Ikehika in Destiny sense, not in real world sense, which I think is actually a snake. It is. Mm-hmm. So Ikeheka is a land eel. It's kind of like a, it's, it's what they, it's the word they use to describe the animal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a highly venomous snake and it's described as shining in dark and cannibalistic. So it's a, it's one of those snakes that was made up to be more than it actually was. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of folklore that talks about the Ikeheka and telling that, oh, like there's a lot of um, uh, urban legends, right? Where people killed an Ikeheka, but it kept living, or like they would cut the head off, but it kept slithering away. And there's a couple of stories that are really interesting about an Ikeheka um, living after death and then even biting people and those people dying. But then living after death. Well, I so mean, there's some weird, the weird stories. Snakes, um, snakes are basically just muscles, right? Like, if you cut off I, its head, it would probably still slither for a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, and then there's like, uh, like even, <laughs> you know, there even the thing about venom is it could paralyze you for a point of time where you look like you're dead, and then you would just, you know, could it? Oh, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's crazy. Well, okay, so there was this one report of a villager who had killed an Akaheka snake, but then he was bitten on the left thumb while showing it severed head to his neighbor. Which means he just poked himself on the tooth. (laughs) (laughs) It it just sounds like the story of, like, salamanders, where it's like, oh, salamanders are are creatures of fire. Look, they, they... crawl out of flames and it's like no you just burnt a log with a salamander in it and it was like what the hell and it ran out mm. like they, yeah. they're not born from flames well so people people would use the prove Ike-Heka. it <laughs> another thing about the Ikeheka is people would use its venom so that they could be immune to other venoms so they would inject themselves or or use that venom as an anti-venom for future snake bites that's awesome yeah so it's pretty cool it's a pretty cool story but yeah very much it was supposed to be uh kepri's sting originally Mm -hmm. no it was originally ikeheka's hook and it became kepri's sting and i'm not sure at what point a beetle was literally taped onto the arm right because which kepri the yeah the god you know is is the whole symbol of kepri in the beetle is just iconography that's used in ancient egyptian uh grimoire mm-hmm. so when they talk about the kepri sting they're using the beetle as a symbol for the cosmic rebirth right so like um kepri sting osiris maybe there's some sort of connection there yeah i don't know vex <laughs> one other thing or a I think I have two other things that I'd, I'd like to say about this entry before we actually move on from it is uh, in, in one more of the paragraphs talking about this transition process 
from the site's bubbled pools and then in the line's progeny of in the line's endless possibility that murmured chaotic lullabies of change and wrung the traveler's light from mercury. So the soul progeny are the three uh, gatekeepers that the black heart infected at the end of the destiny one's original campaign. So it, it, it seems interesting that it almost sounds like the soul progeny were the first ones on mercury and they took the traveler's light from mercury and maybe they fed it to the black heart. Cause that was the whole, the whole bit in, in vanilla D one's campaign. It was like, Oh, the hive have this shard of the traveler and it's, it's draining the light from the travel. Oh my God. We've always known it could do that. Yeah. That was, that was like the fourth story mission that the, the shards of the traveler are still exuding light. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Either way, um, and that was just like all, that was just like a running theme through the vanilla campaign, that you know pieces of the traveler or entities are siphoning light indirectly from the traveler or directly, you know, and that's what we needed to stop so the traveler could actually begin to re reheal and reform. Um, mm-hmm. So it sounds like the Soul Progeny, who were on the Black Garden, which was technically on Mars, but severed from, oh my god, a space between time. A space out of time. It's all kind of coming yeah. full circle here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and then and then what you just brought up, I'm sure people are listening to this, you know, recorded or live. They're going to be thinking, well, that pyramid ship's always been on the moon, and that mm-hmm. shard of the Traveler was right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. That couldn't have been very far from each other. Yeah, close enough. Yeah, horseshoes and hand grenades. Mm. I mean, it is interesting. I mean, I know we're going off on a huge tangent here, but it's like, is it a coincidence that the Hellmouth was so close to the pyramid? Yeah. Like, I... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely not a coincidence. All ends from the same pit. There you go. Oh, and actually, if I had just continued reading, I would have come to my second point. Uh, the light coalesced and bided within the pools. The planet transformed, reborn into a sleepless dream machine of prediction. So basically, it's confirming that this is what became, this is what turned Mercury from Garden World into a planet predicting machine, or a time predicting planet machine. Yeah, there you go. Do you think it can, like, open up into, like, a giant robot? I wish it would. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be awesome. But they would have to be like, they would have to have the evil Transformer sound, which was like the really slowed down version. No, because we'll use it for good. It'll be like Jetfire. Uh, oh, okay. Because <laughs> that's what's going to happen this season. We're going to learn that Rasputin can actually transform Mercury and just go, give me that. And just grab the Almighty <laughs> from plummeting oh, into Earth. Remember, remember fun. the uh, remember the lore. I mean, I'm sorry. Remember the concept uh, art that showed the huge buried robot on Mars. Mm-hmm. That was cool. What? Yeah. yeah. Remember that concept art that no. showed the surface of Mars, and it had the massive robot hand um, and the big piece of yeah, the skull. Yeah, I do or vaguely whatever. remember it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I got it. I got it right here. I will yeah. uh Yeah. Open this up. 
Oh, don't I mean, I don't know. think it ever went anywhere. But... No, I mean, it didn't, but... God, is everything Pinterest? Yeah, pretty much. Ugh, I hate that. I know, right? Like, I just want to... <laughs> Like, who's it's, doing it's that? It's on Artstation. Well, that's yeah, I had to find it, so I'm gonna put that on screen for a minute. This is this is actually oh. genuinely awesome. This idea yeah. of a giant robot hand. This is like uh, Rasputin super heavy frame. Yeah, like yeah, like Galactus. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that'd be crazy to see. Do you think that's what we're gonna see this season? Do you, like. Yeah. Scale of one to ten, how likely do you think it is that we're gonna see a like a massive like like a Megazord esque Rasputin robot? That's so funny. Well, I mean, I think I think we might see a robot bigger than the heavy frames. Okay, but I'm talking oh, like no. Voltron sized. No, like shadows of the colossus. Like what if battle. what if several. <laughs> What if several heavy frames... Yeah, like Shadow of the Colossus size. What if several heavy frames like combine together like Constructicons yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and exactly they, right. they like catch the Almighty? Oh my goodness. You know, it's it's interesting because I feel as though there's a theme on our show. Is it 90s is, cartoons? Yeah, well, it's, it's talking about... It's like, what if the pyramids join together and yeah. form an even bigger pyramid? <laughs> no, they formed a halo. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, that, was, that was what we said. They formed a halo. It's all coming together. Bungie secretly is 343. Three. Yeah. Oh, oh, by the way... Twilight Gap, if you look at the beginning of the map introduction, it shows 343. Did y'all know that? Yes, but it's unrelated. They've they've confirmed that. I know. Just there. I didn't um, know that. Before, uh, uh, I was just about to say something uh, before I forget. Okay, so on the line of Rasputin actually doing something, like with a giant robot catching the Almighty or something, mm-hmm. I do think there might be some... Uh, credit to that because in the trailer we have that scene of like Ikora and the person wearing Felwinter's uh, helmet mm-hmm. looking up like something's gonna come down and hit them mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that might be the scene a scene possibly maybe we'd see Almighty like we said uh, uh, the moon Almighty crashing down on us maybe it, that's all it is and then it's just not there anymore and Rasputin deals with it but yeah I think we're just gonna we're gonna see a giant laser or something. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like that's a laser is going to shoot it, and then we'll have fireworks. And then we follow the laser to a giant robot that's chilling out on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be I'd neat. I'd be okay man. with that. Yeah. No one knows about the robot either. It's just there. No, Nothing we do has, has affected the robot. It was always going to do this. Rasputin just wanted us to do his chores. He's <laughs> like, oh, there's things in my bunker. You literally have heavy frames that can kill them. That's he all I do. I just too, spawn so that and then run away. He can't do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He has a sweeper bot, so yeah, there down, are things. Down in the uh, mind lab? Yeah. They're not sweeper bots, though. No, no. What? He has a sweeper bot down in the mind lab. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah if you take a sniper, you can look down. Like, if you go right oh. up to Rasputin, you can look down, and there's a sweeper bot. Just... And it's like, who's even in there? What are you sweeping? But 
on on Mars. Yeah, on Mars. Oh, never noticed that. Okay, I will have to go and have a look. Yeah, it's really tiny. Who made this? Well, maybe it's just far away. Dor- no, yeah, that's Dorje. What I mean. Is it Dorje really or Dorje? No, Dorje. I don't know. Bellbrook. Bellbrook. D. Yeah. Bellbrook. DB. Yeah. Oh, he's got a bunch of giant robots. Yeah, he yeah. he's into that whole giant robot theme. I couldn't see any on his art station, but maybe um. I'll link it in chat for anyone that's uh. Oh wait, no, off. I found it. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Yeah, I was I. I... I would I would love to see like actual giant robots because I feel like we're just going to get to that point where it's like we need to fight something that even we are like mm, about and we need like just giant robots to handle it for right. us while we do other things. Kind of like the space cool. battle with Oryx. That was pretty big. Yeah. Wouldn't it have been cool if that was what we used to fight uh, Zol? <laughs> instead uh. instead of just throwing a spear at it? <sighs> yeah. yeah. Instead of just spamming Whisper. Yeah. How do you get Whisper um, before Zol's dead? Right. Okay, well. You know, I think we started this episode intending to, to read the whole book, but we're like really, oh, yeah. <laughs> really we running to the, the end. Chapter. <laughs> we've got we got quite a bit of time. Well, we're an hour long show. We got <laughs> Quite a bit of time, yeah. Yeah. If we if we read really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that again. I think I think it's good to stop on the second anyway. In any case, I think yeah. it's just it's fitting. So no yeah. one's reading above where the community is. Personally, I don't think the the book offers anything that is um, so important that you shouldn't. But teach. Yeah. Them. Yeah. No. You, you you're right. I mean, it's it's. I think it's not. This isn't like some of the some of the books that Bungie have released where, you know, they have more serious implications as you as you go through them. And I mean that's that's not to say that the book doesn't have anything interesting in, yeah. it, in it, because it is it is quite interesting and as we've said, it kind of changes the character of Vance. Like, correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it actually makes me dislike him a little bit more. But for a different reason, <laughs> hmm. I think it's. Yeah. I, I think it's in uh, entry four or five. Let me see. Yeah, it's in uh, entry. In entry four, uh, should we? Could we just jump to that? Just to say yeah. this really fast. That's that's fine. Yeah. Basically, Vance. Uh, finds stuff out. We won't cover that. Vance has reasons to start up the trials because he wants to do something that needs, involves having guardians kill themselves. And he's like, we have designs to organize something more formal, launching under the guise of a tournament or competition. We're leveraging contracts we've made to repurpose some weaponry as a bounty. Guardians are already killing themselves in Shax's Crucible. I propose making our version more exclusive to draw only the most adept fighters with the strongest connection to the light. We can make them purchase entry to further fund our studies. They will literally <laughs> pay for the privilege to kill each other for our rewards. Literally in quotes, rewards. This is his journal entry, and he felt the need to put quotations quotes around the word yeah. rewards. That's 
point. And it's like, yeah. you piece of shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, we were used. What Do you think that... is entry 23 says, actually, you know, I'm going to retire. I'm making a lot of money from this. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is my job now. I don't care about this this other stuff. Yeah. I made my money. Yeah, it's time to go. He he knew what he was doing. He was he was ready for it. So odd, but I think it's kind of funny that that rewards quotation is yeah. almost like it's almost like a little bit of it's a dig up. on the community, thinking, "Oh, the trials weapons are garbage." Yeah. <laughs> well, and like now, like so, the the reason Vance has a reason behind doing his trials. The nine had their own reason behind doing their trials. And now Trials is back, and it's apparently hosted by Osiris. What's the reason behind it, aside from... Yeah, it's it's interesting. because Yeah, you're right, because the, this book kind of explains the reason behind the first Trials of Osiris. Yeah. And we've known right. the Nines, because they were mm-hmm. looking for a Guardian that is like strong enough. Maybe they can do something to fight the darkness, because the Nine need us to survive. It's this whole... like roundabout right, yeah. logic but now we have trials again and we don't have an actual reason aside from saint 14 saying like this will be the beacon for other guardians and it's like yeah I, what but, you know we didn't we didn't have a reason for the first trials of osiris initially yeah initially so maybe, we didn't maybe in like three or four years time we'll find out <laughs> <the reason. laughs> this at the beginning of destiny 2 we got the vigilance wing which was like one of the things that confirmed that it was that vance that osiris didn't have anything to do with the original trials and that it was it it kind of phrased it if i remember correctly it phrased it in a way that the followers of osiris um staged the uh trials of osiris in a sense of Maybe if Guardians are doing cool stuff, Osiris will come hang out with us. Yeah. What you hold was once a beacon. We came out of the shadows seeking those willing to join our search. We staged the trials in his name. It was once a reward for the chosen few, the ones who persevered when all seemed lost. It was forged as a testament to his resolve to seek answers when where no one else cared to look and to continue down the path so many fell blazing. In your hands is proof that those who earned its firepower never gave up and never lost their way. You may not know the legend of Osiris or ever dared our trials, but should we call you, will you honor the heralds who earned this weapon and continue the hunt? Brother Vance, disciple of Osiris. Wow. You know what would have been you know what I would have loved? And I, I just had a, I just had a thought, right? Uh huh. Wouldn't it have been great if they brought it back as the Trials of Saint Fourteen? But obviously, the the the, the they made that joke. There, the difficulty yeah. there is they couldn't like just change all of the armor because they've got all of the the, yeah. the Trials of Osiris armor sitting there. Yeah. So they just they just use a purple shader on all of it. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That would, maybe I, we'll, and it's like maybe we'll get Saint scribbles out season. the eyes uh, <laughs> with a crayon. It was like very clearly ribbon. scribbled like, out. Yeah. There we go. Were you enlarging something there? No, sticking sticking purple ribbon on it. Yeah, Jesus wrapping wept. 
Wrapping it which, in purple. Uh, which <laughs> yeah. is funny because Bastion, apparently Bastion's pretty darn good if you have a whole fire team using it. <laughs> in so trials. You know, Bastion this is actually... Is- I, w- I was wrong about what I initially said, but this is just another reason to hate Vance because he's <laughs> saying that the Vigilance Wing was once a weapon. It was once a reward for the chosen few. This gun existed <laughs> in Destiny 1, and everyone who played Trials never got it. Right. Vance, Vance is a scumbag. <laughs> he's, he's such a jerk. <laughs> I think you're upsetting Danny. Oh. <laughs> what? Why? Why are you getting a DM? <laughs> no, no. It's just she's saying that she she still likes. Uh, well, I mean, I still like Vance too, but he's a scumbag. He he, <laughs> he played with our emotions. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Shall we go? Shall we read the second entry? Before yeah. We... Yeah. Let's let's yeah, cover the second yeah, entry and then we'll call it. Yeah, it's, very it's quite a long entry, actually. Do you want to read it? I don't know. Go for it, Baxter. Do you All want right. to summarize I'll... it? Uh, I don't know. I'll I'll start reading, and then we'll see if it's if it's going on too long. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Curious, Osiris mutters to himself, running his fingers through the dry and dusty etchings inside the spire on Mercury. Sagira, record this. I'll want to cross-reference this pattern with any other constructs we come across. Gladly, I was looking for inspiration for a remodel anyway. I'm in no mood for humor today, Sagira. So it's just like any other day. <laughs> Osiris ignores his ghost, fixated on the circular metal structure embedded into the ceiling above him. He stares intently, almost through it, pondering its function. The begetters are apparent to him, a cause for concern. Dropship approaching Osiris. Cabal? I wish, your devotees. <laughs> Osiris shields his eyes from the marigold sand, whirled up by the landing shuttle as he approaches, his frustration already mounting. Turn back, fools, he yells before the doors could fully open. Teacher, we're here to support your efforts, a woman dressed in an ornately patterned cloak appeals. My efforts are none of your concern. Now go. I don't think I'm going to read the whole thing. No. Does somebody else want to take over? It's very long. I, I think we should just summarize it. Basically, Osiris is working on Mercury, and his followers come. And this is just like really showing off that Osiris is against having people follow him around, mm-hmm. saying, oh, you're the greatest, you're the best. Uh what i i do think is important in this though is that they they call that the the vanguard um is like osiris's enemy they're like oh they kicked you out where the hell is that i want to actually get the exact quote they basically say that the vanguard is the enemy yeah, we seek only to help you. The fashion in which you were ousted from the vanguard, they were wrong to chastise you. They will con- they will come to regret their decision, she says with the conviction of solemn pro- promise. And Osiris says, is that a threat? She replies, they are the architects of their own destruction. And Osiris clarifies, you misunderstand the events that transpired. I was not exiled. I chose to leave. And it's basically, it kind of calls into question the... Uh, 
accuracy of the comics, which we, we were previously told yeah. were canon. Right. And this kind of says, like, Osiris said, I'm leaving. And then in a fit of rage, the speaker said, no, you're fired. Like, <laughs> right. Osiris already quit. He left on his own. Like, yeah. it, it wasn't. It wasn't actually the speaker's choice. It was Osiris's choice, and the speaker was like, "No, I'm in charge here. I'm the boss. You know, you don't get to just leave." That type of nonsense. Right. So it just shows like how characters have their own idea of what happened. Yeah, and it just it spirals out of control like that as well. And I, I think it's important to understand that Osiris left, even if members of the Vanguard did not like his the way he did things. They weren't like, he is a crook, he is a scoundrel, he's not allowed right. here. It was his fan base that perpetuated this idea that he is the exile. Toland, however, was kicked out. So I hope we learn a little bit more about why he was kicked out. We got a little bit um But I want to know Toland. why. Yeah, I know. Me too. And either way, he basically says, like, I'm doing Guardian work. And they're like, we're going to follow you. And he's like, actually... How about you hang out in this lighthouse, and if something interesting <laughs> happens, I will come back. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't expect anything interesting to happen. And then when something interesting did happen, he was furious. Yeah, he was very mad. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> I like your Osiris impersonations. That's good acting. Say that again? What? That's good I like, acting. I like your Osiris impersonations. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm so angry. <laughs> he turns green. Oh, my God. <laughs> A new super. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bungie well, gets bought by Disney as well as every other company. Yeah, right. And so oh, no. crossover. I'm not going to make that joke. Okay. Well, no, go on. <laughs> the the whole, um, if you've watched this season's episode, uh, this season's South Park, the most recent season. Oh, I have not. I haven't watched South Park in a while. Disney's, Disney's, um, I'm trying to say this delicately, how Disney will bend over for a particular country, which makes them a lot of money. Mm. That is not America. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> Interesting. How a lot, not just Disney, it's basically everyone. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Don't go, oh, wow, Disney's horrible. Well, I mean, it's everyone. So, yeah. Either way, um, I think that is the end of this episode. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about capitalism yeah brought to you by disney top hats top hats everywhere <laughs> put my mouse ears on uh, our next episode will be on what is that april march april yeah yeah april but, yeah. 5th yeah. um we'll be back to talk about something maybe we'll continue talking about this book since we did not get very far in it um i mean i'm i'm hoping by then we'll have two more entries more... well but yeah i mean That's i might true. not have two more entries because it's dependent on uh do you have one entry i don't even have an entry i have one i hate so you. so me and danny and josh hunt 
played uh, Trials on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we got one win. You uh, had uh, one if you got an entry. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, cool. Well, well, it was either one or two. Oh, okay. It wasn't very many. Yeah. I think that I didn't re- I, I thought that they were removing light from trials altogether. This week it's artifact power. So if right. you yeah. have like my power is 965, I mm-hmm. still shouldn't go in because there are people who yeah. genuinely have like 980 or whatever yeah. the cap is. Yeah. Well, Josh cap, Josh is like a, is like uh, what well, I don't know what Josh was without his uh, art but it was like almost a thousand. Yeah, Actually, it might have been a thousand. Soft cap yeah, I think the, then, I think a thousand is the soft cap or the hard yeah. cap, and then and ten then ten Danny, is as highest you mm-hmm. can go or something. Yeah, and Danny was at like uh, I don't know nine ninety maybe nine eighty nine ninety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was at like nine seventy, and I shotgunned someone, and I got really annoyed because I knew we were going to get beaten. I, I don't mind getting beaten. <laughs> so that's that's fine. I'm I'm not you know like. We're, we're, Wait, was this was this this Friday or last Friday? This, this was this Friday. So you were on anomaly when you shotgunned yeah. someone. Were you underneath the spinny bit? No. Oh okay. Oh uh, why? Well, because underneath the spinny bit, the hitbox. Uh, you know how there's like invisible walls that you can't uh-huh. see. There yeah. is an invisible wall that will eat your bullets under the oh. spinny bit. Really? So, yeah. So like, the the thing, the object that you're actually going under, it kind of extends, and it, if you go there, you can just like load up a private match and stand under it. You can shoot, and you'll see the bullets just hit the air. Huh. And so if you were if you were ghosting under that thing, that's why. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I don't think I was under there to well, be honest, so way. I can't use that as an excuse, unfortunately. There's ghosting spots all over the map. That's why. Yeah, well, I shotgunned <laughs> someone, and it, from my screen, it looked like I shotgunned them in the face, but they just, like, it it, it only took off the shield, basically, and they just wow. kept on running. That's and I rough. was like, <sighs> I was angry. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll be back on April 5th. Maybe we'll be talking about this book. Maybe there will be some new lore. Maybe there will be some uh, story progression. Mm-hmm. I honestly kind of hope that there's like a secret lore book that they've just completely hidden. Yeah, me too. I just feel That's like... That's what I'm waiting for. Yeah, I just feel like... like I'm happy with two. I think two is fine per season. Mm-hmm. But one just feels a little light to me. And I, yeah. I know I need to like check my expectations and be like, they can't just give me everything that I want. It's just... Especially at our position where it's like, we need something to talk about. We already talked about the one book. <laughs> like, what are we talking about now? Yeah. I guess technically I won, but I don't get a reward. Mm. How many did you, did you say two books? Yeah. I I think two is all right for a season. Like, obviously, give me like 50 books a season. But if they were to deliver two every season, I'd be like, all right, yeah, that's fine. But we've only yeah, got this one. Yeah, I think one. that's fair. I think that's plenty, especially with some of the outside lore that we're getting, yeah. which is really great. Yeah, because there's more than just the lore book to talk about. But when it's only one, and we're two weeks into the season, yeah. and the story's kind of drip fed as well, it's like it kind of hinders my ability to like really <clears throat> dive into yeah the season. Mm-hmm. And I like well, to just dive in, you know. This lore book is 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 so drip fed as well. Yeah, like even you know, like the especially if you're not the it, kind of yeah. person that plays PvP, you know, I, I know that there are a lot of law fans who 
who don't like PvP at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially uh, because I hope this isn't a season. Excuse me, a seasonal lore book. I hope it progresses for forward because you have nine mm-hmm. entries to get. That's one entry a week. Mm-hmm. So how many weeks are in a season? Like I think it's twelve. Oh, maybe it is about twelve actually. Like between twelve and fifteen season weeks. Yeah. You don't have a lot of misses to no. complete this book if it does not continue post the season. That's true. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, one of the things that worries me a little bit as well is that, you know, Trials of Osiris, well, Trials of the Nine was removed because it didn't really work. There were, there were problems with it, you know. Yeah. What uh, if it gets removed? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it will. Everyone's I don't, even, I don't think they've done a good it. job uh, yeah. getting it dialed in for the most part. Yeah. And then it, they've shown that they've written an archi- an architecture where they can just turn off and, and toggle certain bits that become an issue or could be an issue. So, like, going forward, what if they say, oh, well, this is too powerful? Or if with this thing involved, this is not good enough. So they can just turn them off mm-hmm. and kind of fix the situation, kind of like what they did with the chess piece for the hunters um, and kind of like what they, they have done in the past with certain weapons. So... I like that. I know it's aggravating and frustrating for a lot of people, but I, I like that that they now have little dip switches that they can turn off and on if they need to. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> that is that is that is it for this week. I hope I hope everyone that came to watch and anyone who listens enjoyed uh, the episode. We'll be back on the fifth. Uh, I hope there's more to talk about than just trials and tribulations. Because if um, if there isn't, I don't know what we're gonna do for the. <laughs> we're biweekly. I don't understand how Focus Fire just always has something to talk about every week. I feel like I'm always like uh, every week, like I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, you I know, think, in think... Focus Fire chat's defense, they're very focused on one particular thing. <laughs> yeah, and then it gets very vast from there, which is great. That's what's cool about that show. We're, Whereas we're, here, we're we try to kind of do that. <laughs> and then we go off talking about Transformers and all kinds of crazy books that we used to read. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. My neck is so stiff. You got bit by Akaheka. Yeah, I did. I I died for like a minute. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what is it? I was I was dead for six minutes, Britta. Yeah. I was holding a severed Ekaheka's head, and then all of a sudden it bit me. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been fun. Uh, See everyone next week. If you came in late, I will get this episode up as soon as I can. Uh, And obviously, it goes without saying, uh, be safe. Uh, Absolutely. Stay home as much as you can. Wash your hands as much as you can. Just, you know, try not to get infected. Try not to infect anyone else. That's that's all anyone Mm -hmm. can ever do. Wash your controller. That's also probably smart, That's but not because idea, of this book, just because in general, your controller is probably disgusting. <laughs> like, I'm just I saying it. I controller and... Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> it smells amazing, actually. Oh, no. Oh, that yeah, Baxter sweats perfume. Ah, it smells, it smells like granola. <laughs> That's what oh, it is. no, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, for... <laughs> All right, bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye.